Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Bare Necessities podcast. We're glad to have you guys back with us this week, and we have a wide variety of interesting topics we're going to be going over. First things first, we're going to be breaking down CBS's safety and edge rankings, where they completely disrespected Eddie Jackson and Khalil Mack. Following that, we're going to be breaking down Ted Ginn Jr.'s prediction that Mitchell Trubisky will be the Bears starter in 2020. And then taking a look at the Jay Cutler chicken murder saga uh, that has been surfacing through social media, kind of an interesting little snippet that we've been seeing lately. And then finally, we have some very important and exciting show updates that will be available at the end of the show. Um, some potential possibly video podcasts and actually a consistent upload schedule. We're going to be doing it twice a week. Listen to the end of the show and you'll get all the information you need to know about that. But before we get into the show, I just wanted to ask you guys to please check us out on YouTube. We're going to be uploading a bunch of exclusive content there. Just type in Chicago Bear Necessities or Bear Necessities Chicago Bears podcast and you'll find us uh, immediately. We also have a link in our description of the podcast. And hey, if you enjoy the show, go ahead and leave us a rating and review in the bottom of Apple Podcasts. That helps us out tremendously, guys. It helps us rank better, gets us more fans and, you know, just more motivation uh, to be bringing these weekly and now bi-weekly podcasts to you guys. Also, I want to apologize a little bit if this isn't the quickest start to the podcast that you guys are used to. Uh, Reese and I lost a little bit of motivation in the beginning because halfway through the first recording of the episode, uh, we actually lost the entire file to Audacity, quit on my computer. Um, so we, we're a little bit low on our morale in the beginning of the show, but it's a, it's a good show and it rounds out at the end 100%. So we appreciate all of our listeners here this week and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. It's been quite the interesting week. We just recorded 30 minutes of the podcast and my Audacity quit. So now we're going to do take two. How are you doing, Reese? Yeah, no, I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to, to get back into this again. You know, I honestly, I feel like it might be a little bit better on the second go. So I'm uh, I'm curious to see how this all works out. This is the first time we've had to do this, surprisingly, and in all the episodes that we've recorded. So honestly, this is a long time coming, to be honest. Yeah, we're 25 uh, episodes in, and we finally have our first major issue. So that's that's pretty good. Um, but before we get into the show, um, we want to thank Chris for joining the podcast last week. It was a good podcast. Uh, we're happy to bring you guys a lot of new guests. We're going to continue to try to keep it up during this offseason, try to get more people on the podcast so you can hear a little bit more variety. Um, and then Reese and I will probably end up at some point going on other podcasts, so we'll let you know about that as well. Um, for anyone who hasn't uh, heard yet, please go ahead and check out my segment on NFL Network. Um, just actually got to view it for the first time. Um, it's me breaking down Shaq Barrett on the Move the Sticks show. So if you're an int- if you're a fan of the Move the Sticks podcast, you'll probably see me featured on there. And then go ahead and check out the show on NFL Network. Um, but besides that, today we are breaking down some Bears slander once again. Kind of similar to what we did with Foz. Um, this week specifically, it seems like God, they've got uh they're coming for the Bears. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna go over a couple a couple interesting lists that uh wow, I mean <laughs> interesting. Honestly, yeah, interesting is probably the kindest way to put it. And I think the Chicago media is catching on to it a little bit too. I just saw an NBC Sports Chicago post about 
all the the media national media hate on the chicago bears so we beat them to it like you uh like we were always telling you guys, we're bringing you guys this uh, this Bears content before everyone else, even before the actual Chicago publications are too. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you can go ahead and start us off with this uh, with the, that safeties list, Austin. Yeah. So before before we do start off with the safeties list, let me, let me both let me let me just mention that both of these lists are uh, by CBS Sports. And CBS Sports, for some reason, has an affinity to hate on the Bears. And I don't really get it. Um, I know Jason LaConfora is with them. We've talked extensively about how horrible of a reporter he is and how he... Pretty much whatever he says, you can count on the exact opposite to happen. Um, and uh, before that, I, I, I also mentioned that Jason LaConfora, if you are listening to the podcast by some means, you're probably not, <laughs> but if you are... Reese and I would love to have you as a guest on the podcast, just so we can kind of we can kind of duke it out. Um, we can talk about where you're getting these ideas from. Um, you can go ahead and email us. We keep our email in the bottom of our description. Please, please come on. We'd love for that. But 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 Jason Lockin for it actually is not. It is not the. Uh, individual who crafted either of these two lists. So let's start off with the first one. It's the top 10 safety list. And we're not going to read off the names, but um, Eddie Jackson isn't on there. It's a, it's an interesting uh, person to exclude off of this list. You know, a couple of people jump out to me like Earl Thomas and, uh, and Anthony Harris as, you know, them even being on the list ahead of Eddie Jackson, you know, obviously Eddie Jackson isn't on it. So clearly what the person ranking them is saying here is that, you know, you'd take them over Eddie Jackson, which, you know, even though Eddie Jackson didn't have his best statistical season last year, I think that he has proven in his three years at the Bears that he's quite a dynamic player. Um, we're going to get into it more, but there were some factors last season that, that led to Eddie Jackson's, you know, his performance, at least on paper not being exactly as what not exactly what we'd expect from him but man Anthony Harris Earl Thomas both of them with relatively similar stats uh, Anthony Harris I think had an extra pick but Earl Thomas had less combined tackles equal number of interceptions and honestly is out of his prime I'd say has had some pretty pretty notable injuries he's spent a lot of time out of play I don't really know exactly why you'd take Earl Thomas over Eddie Jackson in any Situation. I wouldn't even blink trying to make that decision. And also Anthony Harris, you know, they included two Viking safeties on here. It, it's just interesting, man. I mean, it, I don't even know how you can really... I would love to know what the honest rationale behind, behind those picks is. So before I said that I was not going to read off the list, You're but I feel to, the need to read off the list now yeah. because I think it really adds yeah. a lot of... Uh, <laughs> It really shows just how ridiculous this list is. All right, so number one, we got Tyron Matthew. You know, good player. Best safety in the NFL? No, thank you. Minka Fitzpatrick at two. Jamal Adams, three. Four, Harrison Smith, five. Anthony Harris. How the hell do you have both of the Viking safeties over the Bears? Six is Justin Simmons. Laughable. Seven, Devin McCourty. Laughable. Eight, Derwin James, good player. Nine, Kevin Byard, another good player. Ten, Earl Thomas, good but old now. Um, the first thing that you'd really notice, and I think uh, when we were recording this pod the first time you kind of brought it up, is just 
how they really are basing this list solely off of how players performed statistically last season. Like if they if if they if they came out and said <laughs> this is a list of the top performers of last season, statistically speaking, it wouldn't be a bad list. It'd probably be almost spot on. But how the hell do you even remotely say that this is how pl- yeah. the top 10 safeties in the NFL? Yeah, I understand the logic of like saying that like the players and so-called like form, like they're they're, you know, you expect them to keep a certain level of performance heading into the next season. But the headline is top 10 safeties for 2020 season. That's what it is. And and mm-hmm. so much changes within a single NFL offseason that you can't simply use that headline and then just put the safeties into how they performed last season. You know, like, and even in that case, I mean, Tyron Matthew, Minka Fitzpatrick, like, it's clear with those two that they're putting in what they did last season. I mean, Tyron Matthew's been doing this for a while. I'm a big Honey Badger fan. I don't think he's the best safety in the league. But with someone like mm-hmm. Minka Fitzpatrick, it's clear that, you know, his time with the Dolphins, he was not nearly as successful as he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, literally, Eddie Jackson has quite the background, quite, you know, you have all these different highlights, all these different, all this tape to go through that Eddie Jackson can show you why he deserves to be on this list, deserves to be right near the top of this list. And Minka Fitzpatrick gives you, honestly, a good, what, 10 games? Because I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly what week he was tra- tra- what week he was traded last season. But as soon as he got on the Pittsburgh Steelers, he started playing at a lot higher level, and it's clear that he's talented, that he has what it takes to be a high-quality safety in this league. But everything that you've seen before that in the Dolphins, it doesn't show you that he can be consistent. Where do you think Eddie Jackson should be on this list? I, I think real realistically, I, I think that Eddie Jackson should be three. Three with who who in front of him? Man, I, I, that's that's where it gets tough, to be honest. I, I think I'm okay with Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe okay with Tyron Matthew. Maybe. I, maybe. I think you can make a debate for it, yeah. you know? But I the think big, that, that that's realistically that's the only two people I can really see being ahead of him. Harrison Smith was a really good player when he was younger. Not better than Eddie Jackson currently. I think most Vikings fans would agree with that. Anthony Harris had a good year, um, but kind of a, a year outside of his character, kind of similar to how Kevin Byard had that one big season. Um, but I think that Kevin Byard was is a better player than both of those players as well. Um, I think Jamal Adams, Kevin Byard, uh, Eddie Jackson, Tyron Matthew possibly um, all have debate for being the top four safety spots, but claiming that Devin McCourty and Justin Simmons are even, hey, let's even say this, are even better than Derwin James and Kevin Byard is is laughable to begin with, and saying that they're, la- they're better than Eddie Jackson is even funnier because Eddie Jackson broke so many records in his first two seasons. He has one year, and Eddie Jackson didn't have the best year, statistically speaking, but he wasn't, he didn't play bad. He played well in coverage. He did what he was supposed to do, got a couple of picks, and it wasn't it wasn't the best season for him. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he played a lot of cover two last season. And the reason he played a lot of cover two was because two reasons. The Bears had tons of injuries, so they they went for a more uh, a more, you know, less aggressive defense style, defensive coverage. Uh, 
the Bears were on the field for way longer. The Bears defense was on the field for way longer than offenses. So in order to just stay, um, you know, able to play and, and physically okay to play, uh, they, they switched up the, to the cover two. And then also, uh, haha, Clinton Dix. Uh, he, he is not the best in single deep because, uh, he kind of sucks when he's at the line. He's not the best at the line. And in order to cover that up, you kind of needed Eddie Jackson to be able to play both deep and at the line. So he took up a lot more duties closer to the line of scrimmage. I'm hoping that Treshawn Gibson can change that for us and that he'll be able to resurge back to the player he was in 2018. But I guess we'll have to see. But Eddie Jackson, as far as talent goes, I mean, his instincts are what sets him arrest from the... Oh, sets him... Uh, um, Sets him apart. apart. Yeah. Sets him apart from the rest is his instincts, right? Yeah. He, he has good range. He's he's pretty quick, but his instincts are so, so dangerous. And when you put him into a position where he can't show that off all the time, yeah, statistically, he's going to have a down season. Right. I mean, you, you brought up a good point. With cover two, essentially, you know, for, for many people that don't understand the defensive schemes quite as well, cover two Basically, essentially, haha, Clinton Dix would be assigned one side of the field and the deep half of one side of the field, and Eddie Jackson's going to get the deep half of the other, kind mm-hmm. of making sure nothing gets deeper than them on that particular side. But naturally, Eddie Jackson's going to want to drop into that kind of more center field type role in a cover, cover one, where he basically is nothing gets deeper than him anywhere on the field, or in a cover three, where he's kind of just patrolling that middle part. That's where he can best use his instincts, read the quarterback's eyes, and go up there and, and make a pick or you know lay a hit on a receiver over the middle of the field so he's not going to make, make that catch. You know When you take away that ability, obviously he's not going to be able to perform to the top of his ability. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel confident with Treshawn Gibson that, that this will get better. I think we're going to get to see Gibson play a lot more up close to the line, mix it up in the box occasionally. And Eddie Jackson's going to have a lot of the responsibility of, you know, keeping everything keeping everything in front of him realistically. That's honestly what Eddie Jackson needs to do, and that's what he does so well that leads to him being so dynamic and honestly being such a great return threat, honestly, as well. Man, and I hope so. I, I really hope so because Eddie Jackson does not deserve the slander he has gotten this past season. So, I mean, I guess moving on, uh, we have to go to another list put out by CBS as well. Uh, they, they love to put out Bears hating lists as we already talked about, but this one, it, it wasn't just, it wasn't just uh, published by CBS Sports. It wasn't published by Jason LaConfora either. It was published by at Ryan Wilson CBS. <laughs> Let's check out his Twitter. He says he covers the NFL and NFL draft for CBS Sports. And uh, apparently went to Carnegie uh, Mellon University. Not that that matters, but number one, TJ Watt. Number two, Miles Garrett. Number three, Chandler Jones. Now, this is the first three out of the top ten. Let's just react to this first. What, what do you what do you say about TJ Watt, Miles Garrett being the 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 two headed monster at the top two? TJ Watt, great edge rusher. I think he's got a good future for him in this league. He's already shown that he can be very productive. Not the number one, though. Not the number one. And and as both these lists show, I mean, clearly, Pittsburgh Steelers should have the best defense in the league coming up with uh, the best edge rusher <laughs> and one of the top two safeties. 
But Miles Garrett, though, I, this is the <laughs> having him at two. That's where it gets real interesting. Really uh, curious. Uh, so that's probably the best word for it. He has all the talent, all the intangibles, and he's gone out there and proved it somewhat. But nowhere has he shown that he's going to be consistent. Nowhere has he shown that he can mix it up there right with the best. You know, there's nothing that really shows that he deserves really being on this list, frankly, at all. Nothing really. I mean, he had the. You have to putting him at number two is essentially saying that Miles Garrett, from the sample size of you know two okay seasons and just his his uh, draft profile, essentially that he's going to be better than two first ballot Hall of Famers in uh, Khalil Mack and Von Miller. And you know what? Another player who was left off this list, Bradley Chubb. He didn't have the best season last year, but people were talking him up to be one of the top five pass rushers after his rookie season. He just yeah. disappears. He's he was more productive in that one year than Miles Garrett ever has been in a year. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's very true. And another exception, you know, Von Miller. I saw that one of the things that uh, Ryan Wilson actually retweeted was uh, the Broncos saying a D, a edge rushers list without Von Miller. And he just retweeted it, I guess, finding it to be funny. But, you know, there's some definitely notable exclusions. And, you know, I, you, I'll work down the list here a little bit more, not to, not to rush it. But Chandler Jones at three, I think that's probably the most sensical, sensical pick on the list. I mean, his production mm-hmm. has backed, backed that ranking. I know me and you both don't really think that he quite has the same dynamic ability as Khalil Mack. But... From what he's done the past two seasons, that at least validates that ranking, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's put up a couple of statistically extreme seasons. If you weren't someone who watches football regularly and you went and you just typed in, you know, Chandler Jones statistics on on uh, Google, like I'm sure Ryan Wilson probably did, um, he, he would probably find out that he had almost two seasons with almost 20 sacks. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive right. uh, alone. He's not someone who gets a lot of talk about him. Um, obviously played well with the Cardinals uh, this past season. But I honestly, I think three is a little too high for him. But let's go ahead and move on to the other players who are better than Khalil Mack. <laughs> Cameron Jordan, which, you know, four is probably about good for him. He had a really good season this past year. Five, Joey Bosa. Good player. I'm a fan of him. Is he better than Khalil Macri's? No, he's not. (laughs) No, he's not. And uh, six, Shaquille Barrett. Just covered him for NFL Network. Watched his film extensively this past week. Uh, I will will, uh, talk about that in a minute. Seven, Danielle Hunter from the Minnesota Vikings. Damn, you really think Danielle Hunter is better than Khalil Mack? Okay. Uh, Eight, an even more indicting player, (laughs) Zadarius Smith. Moment of silence. A little moment of silence for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that was crazy, actually. <laughs> All right, nine, Khalil Mack. And then right below him is Nick Bosa. Okay. So, first things first, Joey Bosa. Big fan of him. Um, I think he's done great with the Chargers. He's got he's he's he, he's really carved out a really good role for himself on the defense and you know, been a very productive player. I, he was a pro bowler. Was he an all pro in his first year? He might have <sighs> been. I- 
he might have. I can't remember. Honestly, Joey Bosa, he's kind of a completely different style than, than Khalil Mack. It's, they're they're tough to almost compare in a way. I mean, He's very finesse and, and speed rush. More than technical. Khalil. He's all about yeah. the technical side of it. Right, I mean, Joey Bosa has none of the massive size that Khalil Mack has. And honestly, faces totally different situations. Not nearly the amount of you know double teams. And mm-hmm. he has the benefit of having Melvin Ingram, who is not an elite, but a, a top-tier pass rusher opposite of him that kind of keeps defenses or offensives having to plan for both of them. Now, the players I want to talk about right now are 6, 7, and 8. Because, truthfully, I believe that 6, 7, and 8, which is Shaquille Barrett, Danielle Hunter, and Zadarius Smith, should be lower by, from both Khalil Mack and Nick Bosa. So, Shaq Barrett, um, just if you guys haven't seen... Um, my little snippet on NFL Network. Check it out. It's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a cool opportunity. But the biggest thing that I I learned a lot more about Shaq Barrett as a player, uh, what what kind of contributed to his success this past season, and the biggest thing, truthfully, um, outside he's obviously a really good player and he does really well, but he never gets double teamed. I don't think he was double teamed on a single one of his sacks last year. And Vita Vea, Nadama Kinsu, they take up a lot of the players of opposing offensive lines because they're two big, aggressive dudes that are just unstoppable if you don't put two guys on them. Shaq Barrett kind of reaped all the benefits of that with his 19 and a half sack season. Um, and he, he, you know, he obviously worked hard for it, but when you only get when you don't get double teams, you already really shouldn't be top, certainly shouldn't be top six on this list. You really shouldn't. He's more like a Robert Quinn where he's going to be productive, but just because he is productive doesn't mean that, you know, he's the best pass rusher. Robert Quinn had, what, 12 or 13 sacks this past season? Um, right. Pretty pretty comparable. Daniel Hunter, um, obviously a, a talented player. Um, had a, had a good amount of sacks this past season, but similar situation. You do not need to adjust your offense for Daniel Hunter, and specifically Zadarius Smith. You don't need to adjust your defense whatsoever for Zadarius Smith. Um, and that's the thing where Khalil Mack comes in. The thing that Khalil Mack does better than every single player on this list is that when teams, when you play against Khalil Mack, the number one thing you ask yourself for the entire game is how are we gonna control Khalil Mack? Because Khalil Mack is so damn dominant that when he's on the field, you need to be aware of him at all times. You need to have two or three guys on him. Most of the time they have three guys on him. You need to, you know, you can't run your offense as normal. You have to have a lot more play action. You need to operate out of shotgun. You need to make things go a lot quicker, a lot shorter. Teams don't do that for these other pass rushers. And because of that, sometimes statistically, they might look better than Khalil Mack. When in reality, it's just Khalil Mack is so damn dominant that teams constantly have to fight against him. And he's facing way more than what any of these other players are facing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, week in, week out, each offense is scheming around Khalil Mack specifically. I mean, there's a lot of people on the British defense that need to be taken account for. I mean, this defense is stacked. We've gone over it. Akeem Hicks has been there the past couple of years, and he's been a force to be reckoned with when he's been healthy on the field. You know, there's been a, a cast of other players. I mean, Roy Robinson-Harris had a good season, but I think a lot of that had to do with the success or really what Khalil Mack was doing so well 
and that he was dragging, you know, two, sometimes three offensive linemen, maybe an extra chip from a tight end, a running back having to stay in the pass block. Cleo Mack on each play is, you know, multiple eyes are on Cleo Mack. He's never getting away with a free, just one-on-one, and that opens up opportunities for other people on the defense, like Roy Robertson-Harris, so he can go out there and, you know, be able to exploit that one-on-one situation and get to the quarterback. We saw that a lot in week one last season against Green Bay. I mean, Cleo Mack was a force, but he was also opening up all those gaps for Robertson-Harris. With all the other people on this list, none of them are really doing anything quite to the extent of that. Uh, they're sure they're getting the occasional double team, but even when Cleo Mack is double team, he still managed to get eight and a half sacks this mm-hmm. past year. And every yeah. time he gets into the backfield to get one of those sacks, he's a threat to strip the ball loose. I mean, no one quite does it as well as him to force that turnover. He takes it the next step further, you know. Yeah, he just he means so much more to the Bears than the statistics goes and if you don't want to if you don't want to believe what i'm saying which i know we mainly have bears fans but let's say you're just a regular nfl fan or maybe a packers fan or whatever who's listening think about this for a moment the bears went eight and eight this past season while missing their starting quarterback for a good amount of it while also missing uh eddie goldman akeem hicks danny trevathan and um for for a lot and just uh, essentially almost all of the defensive line besides Leonard Floyd who was pretty much useless this past year and a lot of the reason why we saw players like Nick Williams be so productive is that they were reaping the benefits of Khalil Mack time and time again Khalil Mack literally had the entire attention of the offense on him at all times and there was no one helping him countering him helping him out and allowing him to actually you know, get some productivity on his own. He still had nine and a half sacks. That's not horrible. I mean, that's not horrible. You'd expect better numbers, but I mean, Khalil Mack's impact, Khalil Mack has never in his career been a player to top 15, 15 sacks. And a lot of that is because he's also the player that has never been, there's not, there's never really, I've never watched an edge rusher get as much attention as Khalil Mack. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can drive that home that point like home quite enough. You know, I, I think that to a lot of people it seems like you know, like why don't you just get past that double team? You know, what's so great about that? With the limited number of players that you have on a field, anytime that you can just drag away someone else, it, it does you a world of good. You know, it, it goes beyond that too. I mean, of course, we talk about it opens up opportunities for other defensive linemen. When you have to keep an extra tight end to get in there, chip, you know, chip Cleo mm-hmm. Mack, or even just complete, make him stay there to pass block for the the entire play. That's one less person that the secondary has to worry about in that moment of time. That's and you know, and, and also the for the linebackers thing, as well. Over the sorry, but over the past two years, I'm pretty sure Cleo Mack has gotten a total of one holding call because they hold him every damn play. Refs don't even count it anymore. They know that he's a cheat code, so they're like, "Well, if if you can't stop, if you if that's all you can do, they they let him do it." And um, the other thing is that, um, you know, he like that's he if he had the situation that like let's say a player like Shaq Barrett had, where he's on one on ones every single you know almost every single snap, the man would have 40, 40 sacks a season. <laughs> 
he would just yeah. absolutely obliterate any offensive tackle put on him. Right. It's unfortunate. Yeah, and, and, and you know, in repeated one-on-ones, I don't think there's too many tackles out there that would have a very high success rate against Khalil Mack. I mean, his work rate is pretty supreme. He's giving it to you, you know, 100% every play. And, you know, the second that you take your eyes off him is when he's going to make you pay. So, yeah, I think the fact that he's all the way buried deep on this list is, uh, it's very comical. At, at, you know, there's quite a few players on this list that he should be above. He should not be the third best edge rusher mm-hmm. in the NFC North. But, you know, honestly, this is something, all this national media hate could be something that works out positively for the Bears. You know, I, I don't know how much that all the national media pressure, you know, I don't know how much that really cracked them last year. I think maybe it put a little bit of extra something in, in some weaker player like weaker players like Mitchell Trubisky's mind. But for some <laughs> of these, you know, Cleo Mack's been doing this season after season. He knows what it's like to to have those expectations on him. So I don't think it would phase someone like him. But, you know, the pressure is really off for this Bears team, you know, coming into this next season. You know, the expectations are really low, even for someone like Khalil Mack. I mean, he's got to be thinking, oh, okay, like ninth best edge rusher? Hmm. You know, he's figured he's maybe yeah. has a little something extra out there to prove, you know, even though he really doesn't. I mean, and the Chicago Bears fan base knows what he can do. That's what Chuck Pagano said as well. He said that Khalil Mack is working. I mean, obviously, it's kind of a trope of saying that players, you know, working harder than ever and he feels disrespected or whatever. But he said that Khalil Mack is just working in a different way. Like he comes to the building in a different way every single or not to the building, but he's working out, staying in shape physically in a different way. So, I mean, I really honestly, this potential media hate, I think, could be a good thing for the Bears this season. Um, Now, what might not be a good thing for the Bears this season is our next topic. Ted Ginn Jr., Bears wide receiver, uh, just added to the team this offseason, came out and said that he believes that Mitchell Trubisky will be the starting quarterback this year. What's your take on this? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I... (laughs) I find it curious that uh, he could be so bold. I mean, obviously, we haven't even... He hasn't had much time in, in a Bears uniform. Hasn't really probably been in a Bears uniform at all. And uh, kind of making quite the splash in the media. But I, I think that's interesting. Obviously, hearing that from a wide receiver is... You know, that's pretty... It's pretty important, you know, as someone that's going to be in constant contact with him. You know, I'm not sure how Nick Foles would, you know, think about hearing that, but... Yeah, I think that, to me, my opinion on Mitchell Trubisky as to who will be starting in this upcoming season has shifted a little bit. Because I'm pretty sure at this point that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be able to give the get the start in Week 1. I think that the Bears are at least going to give him the opportunity to go out there and prove that he has you know, progressed, that he's improved, that he's learned from his mistakes, and hopefully he's ready to turn this corner. So I, I think that the, maybe we're going to start to see a little bit more vote of confidence from other players, you know, at least trying to show that they're there and willing to support him. But I think that that presence of Nick Foles is still, it's still there. You know, I, there's, he's definitely going to have some pressure. He's going to be peering over his shoulder a little bit, at least until he can come out and prove that he absolutely deserves to be the mainstay starter. Something that Foz said when he was on the podcast that kind of made me rethink 
um, exactly my opinion on Mitchell Trubisky potentially being the starter is that he said that, or he essentially made the point that the Bears are going to err on the side of Mitchell Trubisky because that's who they want to work out. They want to have their solution. They want to see him have a big year. And I kind of, I kind of believe in that. And I think that the other thing that Mitchell Trubisky has on his side is he's really kind of won over a lot of the media recently. I mean, obviously the statements that we went through on the last podcast, him coming out, he was not as, he didn't seem as hopeless as one might believe. And that's a little bit surprising considering Nick Foles, obviously Super Bowl winner. Um, but it seems like a lot of his teammates as well are coming out and saying that they believe that he will be the starter. He's supposedly working with uh, quarterbacks all the time, or sorry, uh, Bears posi- skill position players all the time. Um, and he's just doing a, it seems like he's doing a really good job of putting his best foot forward. And that's what I appreciate it uh, about it. And apparently he's texting players individually. He came out on the media segment and said that he, he doesn't like to text the players in a group chat because no one responds to him. That he goes out and he, he, uh, he, res- he texts the players individually, which, you know, maybe a little bit self-indicting that the, <laughs> the, the quarterback can send a, a message in the group chat and get left on red. Um, <laughs> But, but you know, I'm happy that he's working with players. He's working with, I can't remember his name again, but the whoever the co- main quarterback coach is for, like, Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes, um, he's working with him. So, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is way more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo, and the fact that he's working with him, um, and the fact that, you know, Garoppolo got to be, you know, Super Bowl starting quarterback based on a lot of this guy's teachings is, is pretty positive and I'm excited. You know, I, I've gotten a little bit more optimistic on what Mitchell Trubisky might be. I, I, you know, maybe I should take back everything that I said, man. If he's not getting responses in the group chat, then this is all a show. <laughs> I, I think to, I think Trubisky has been saying the right things. I, I just, I need to go out there and see him do it. You know, I, there's, I'm definitely seen as believing to me. Um, I was very disappointed in what I saw last year, but, I think that there's a certain air of optimism. I think this off season, in a way, has really has really helped them. You know, I, I think the Bears have done a lot of sitting back and, and looking and thinking just how much they really want this to work out. And I think the players have been very flexible. I think they've been very very positive in the media talking about Mitchell Trubisky. So I think that that only does him good. Um, you know, I, there's still I still think there's that bit of added pressure on him because of the presence of Nick Foles but honestly he needs to keep that out of his mind and he needs to go out there and play his game um, you know him getting the help that he is getting is great and you love to see that you hope that he's staying in contact with his players I would expect expect that from any you know person that expects to be starting quarterback for an NFL team so I just need to see him to go out there and prove it you know I mean it's going to be an interesting season you know maybe with a little bit of uh less pressure that we anticipate from not having fans in the stadium he can go out there and excel but you know i just want to i want to see him go out there and do it and prove and prove me wrong for you know saying that he couldn't do it in many podcasts you know prior yeah so if you if you put odds on it right what do you think the probability is that the bears draft quarterback next season or next next draft i should say 
I can say the odds that I want it to be is a hundred percent, but knowing <laughs> knowing the uh, the Bears, ooh, man, I would say I would say a solid sixty five to seventy. Yeah, how's that? Sound? I th- I think yeah, I think that's pretty good. I think that it might be slightly higher. I'm thinking maybe eighty, maybe eighty five, just because if you're the Bears, you can't really throw out this opportunity. Like this is a good opportunity. Very in very rare times in the past. Think about when we drafted Mitchell Trubisky. That perceived draft class. It was considered one of the worst quarterback drafts to in the in like the past ten years. Obviously, it turned out to be a little bit different considering a, a, a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, was drafted in that Patrick Mahomes, but and a pretty good player in Deshaun Watson, but. I can't even imagine what it would have been like needing a quarterback at that time and really having to weigh in your odds. Ryan Pace obviously struck on that, but you have a really big opportunity here, and it seems like the right move would be to draft one, even if Mitchell Trubisky comes out and you know puts up 25 to 30 touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I still think with... I'd still like to see them draft a quarterback no matter what. If Trubisky comes out and, and plays well, then maybe you don't need to get one with your first pick in the draft right away. But, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot. The Bears do a very bad job of quarterback development. Trubisky, what we've seen from Trubisky so far is, is a product of that. And, you know, simply because Trubisky has a good season doesn't mean that you should throw away the the idea of developing a quarterback. I mean, of course, the Patriots ended up trading away both Brissett and Garoppolo, but they're both on the roster underneath Tom Brady for a good season, and Jacoby Brissett was on there for a bit longer. You know, even the best teams with the most solidified franchise quarterback positions need to be thinking about quarterback development because you never know, you know, unfortunately, career-ending injuries happen. You know, just certain things, Mm football is very unpredictable. You need to be prepared for anything. And you don't want to be caught out, you know. The best run franchises really have like all these contingency plans, and the Bears, historically since the Super Bowl era, have had the worst quarterback play. I mean, it's just it's simple, simple as that, and that's because they have refused to go out there and develop quarterbacks. They oftentimes refuse to draft quarterbacks, no matter the round. And when they do do it, they don't have that standard in place. They don't have that kind of culture that breeds that growth that sustains and nurtures that growth yeah and i think it's about time that the bears just throw everything they have at the wall um as far as addressing this quarterback situation we just we fans have been through agony when it comes to the quarterback situation we cannot, if I have to talk about the damn quarterback one more time after this coming season, or at least bad quarterback play, I'm, 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 I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind because I cannot keep questioning. Because at the end of the day, the Bears can be as good as we want. Okay, we can be the best damn roster in the NFL, which I don't think that this team outside of the quarterback position is that far off from. But at the end of the day, we still have a question mark at the most important position on the field. You can't win sustainably like that. This Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles experiment, it might work. It might work for this season, but it should not be the plan going forward. 
Yeah. No, it, it's a short-term solution. It's a short-term, it's a patch, it's a little band-aid, it's a bridge, it's whatever you want to call it. And it's funny that you brought that up. Well, we we're having the technical difficulties. I just saw a report. I think ESPN ranked the Bears to have the worst roster in the league. <laughs> yes, honestly, I, we could we could do a whole nother podcast about that because I don't think that's right either. But that just shows you what everyone else thinks about the Bears quarterback situation. That's how glaringly bad it is because that, that's the sole root of why they're perceived to be so bad in people's eyes and why they don't deliver results they need to have some sort of consistency imagine if the bears just had someone like philip rivers i mean not philip rivers right now but like philip rivers he played for the chargers honestly just like they'd win the super bowl they'd win the super bowl this year yeah if you had like just you know a little bit above average quarterback play consistently Someone that's pretty clutch, you know, it doesn't it doesn't need to be the best quarterback of all time. The Bears don't need Mahomes. They don't need no. that. They need someone that can just can be better than this mediocre, this mediocrity that they always settle for. The Rex Grossmans of the world. Jay Cutler is the best quarterback in franchise history. That's really saying something. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't need the best quarterback. We don't need the best quarterback. What we need is a competent quarterback. And we still don't know if we have that. And that is so, so, so sad. Imagine if, the, I mean, Matt Ryan's good, but he's not the best. Imagine if we had Matt Ryan on this team. Yeah. That'd be it. I mean, he'd, he'd that's kill all it. You need. He'd be killer. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if you had Alex Smith of a couple years ago. Another another good team, really good roster, consistently in the playoffs. The fact that we missed the playoffs with the roster that we had last year, I don't even care about the injuries, right? It's it, that, that is indicting in and of itself. We should have won 10 games at least last year. We, we're, we put ourselves in position to win more than 10 games, if I'm being honest. We could have, if the ball bounced the right way a couple times last season, we could have easily won 10 11 games there's right. a lot of instances that you can point at that you say damn this really uh this really screwed us over one instance that comes off the top of my head is when cordell patterson was uh being the main gunner for the bears on a punt off and slammed into i think it was whoever was returning the ball for the packers in the second packers game and like slammed into him and then he got called for interference before the ball got caught which then extended the Packers' drive, and they ended up scoring. We lost that game by, like, one score. The funny thing is, is that that also, that that uh, Cordell Patterson slamming into him, the man had the ball. The man had the ball in his hands. It was clear as day, but it wasn't reviewable. So it's instances like that. You look at the Chargers game. Reese, I think you're the first one that would agree with me that the Bears should have won that damn Chargers game. The Bears shot themselves in the foot time after time after time again. Ugly, ugly game. Yeah, it was uh, was not pretty, and, and the Bears had every opportunity, every opportunity to win it, and, and they they lost and in they typical don't. Bears fashion. They, so they whose lost in fault typical Bears is fashion. It, whose fault is it? It's it's bad quarterback play, man. It was really bad it's play. Quarterback too. That and was, coach play. Yeah, it like, was really bad play calling. The, same thing. It's always been for the Bears. Yeah. Which is it's infuriating because it's like banging your head against the wall. It's the same thing that that we're used to, and, and we can only <laughs> hope that it's gonna 
improve in this season, at least the play calling, at least if it can't be the quarterback play, at least be the play calling. Cause that's under Nagy's control. He can't go out there and completely control how Trubisky or Foles is going to play, but the play calling needs to improve so that when you're in a situation against a game that you sh- in a game that you should be winning, you know, probably by a couple touchdowns already at that point, and you need to go out there and you're trying to attempt to get a game-winning field goal, and you end up missing. Those situations shouldn't happen. They should. They really shouldn't happen. They really shouldn't happen. And the fact that we are like that's truthfully, I'm a big Ryan Pace believer. I'm a big believer in Ryan Pace. It seems like everyone always points fingers at him, though. They look at him, they're like, how did you not draft uh, Patrick Mahomes? How did you not draft Deshaun Watson? Okay, but that's sunk cost. When, you, when, you, uh, when you're evaluating anyone who has probably even taken a business class, they understand the concept of sunk cost, right? It's that you shouldn't be making decisions based on what has occurred, like mistakes that have occurred in the past. And it's also hindsight bias. Like we didn't understand. A lot of people were saying Patrick Mahomes was not going to be good. A lot of people were saying Deshaun Watson was a college quarterback. Most people were saying that Mitchell Trubisky should be the top quarterback in the draft. You can't. Yes, you can judge Ryan Pace. Yes, you can say he made the wrong decision. He wasn't good enough at the time to be above what everyone else is saying. But at the same time, you want to know what would be what would make Bears fans even more mad in 20, in 2017 when than drafting Mitchell Trubisky second overall. It would be drafting Patrick Mahomes second overall. Ryan Pace has put together a really good roster and a, and a roster that you can show that every, outside of every single position except for the quarterback that there is a ton of talent and it makes evaluating the quarterback and it makes evaluating the coaches even easier. I, I like Ryan Pace. I think that we need, we if anyone, we need to be looking at Nagy and Mitch. Yeah, the one thing I will Damn, say about that, that Pace. that Mitch jersey was a bad investment. Yeah. Fuck, man. $100 yeah, yeah, down that, the drain. <laughs> that's a tough one. I mean, maybe maybe there's a chance that that will get a little bit of money back. But uh, I, the one thing I will say about Pace, though, he, he has refused to draft a quarterback since then. So that is on mm-hmm. him. That is on him, and he needs to take responsibility for that. There's opportunities yeah. to get quarterbacks late in this draft that he refused to do. So, I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, he's been a little bit stubborn uh, in his ways with the quarterback position. But I, I do think that they have a chance to right the ship in this next draft and a really deep quarterback class to hopefully, you know, we've said this a lot of times, they need to pick up a quarterback and uh, really get, you know, start some kind of quarterback development program with this team. Yeah, we we can't keep pushing it off anymore. Like, that's why I think it comes back to we consistently continue to push for Cam Newton. Say, I don't care if we have two quarterbacks on the roster, we're going to bring in Cam Newton. And it's just, it's it's about time. And I hope that Ryan Pace, I believe in Ryan Pace, so I have to believe that he, he is a logical man and that he understands that it's probably going to be time to draft a quarterback regardless of what's occurring after this season. Um, but yeah, we, we, we need to do that. So enough with this quarterback talk. It seems like, geez, like at least for 30 minutes a week, we have to spend dedicating to this damn quarterback situation. Um, yeah. But it's it's always in the news. It's what the what the Bears are defined by right now. Um, but 
something of a little bit more comical nature. Uh, Jay Cutler currently having a uh, potential homicide on his on his property. It's been a quite multiple, multiple, multiple potential homicides. And the reason why that is is because someone is killing his chickens. And they they know for sure. Jay has confirmed to us that his cat is not is not the culprit. Who yeah. could it be? I mean, I think to me it's got to be a coyote, a hundred percent. Where is he living right now? Is it in Tennessee I'm, or something? I'm I'm guessing he's back in Tennessee. I'm guessing. Yeah. So to me, it jump out to be a. Uh, a coyote i mean unless he's got like some kind of mountain lion crawling around by him or a bobcat one of those two it could it could be that um i know he's been setting up game cameras to try to to try to see what exactly it's gonna be so it's gonna be curious to see what comes out of it i, I think that's interesting how much embrace we saw of jay cutler recently um you know i think bears fans are just realizing uh what we had in him, man, and a, and a slightly competent quarterback, maybe mm-hmm. with a with a very interesting attitude and a very interesting personality. But man, yeah, it looks like uh, Jay Cutler is going to be kind of a positive note in Bears history once all is said and done here. Um, in a different way, what's happening with Jay Cutler reminds me a little bit of what happened with Derrick Rose in Chicago, where a lot of people are kind of revisionist on this, but. Um, a lot of Chicago fans did not want Derrick Rose on our team anymore when we traded him to the Knicks. Like a lot of Chicago fans were saying like he's a wimp, he should be playing, all these different things. There was a ton of people criticizing Derrick Rose, but now everyone thinks he's awesome, right? And I I'm I've always been a Derrick Rose fan, Derrick Rose believer. Um so I guess I'm above everyone else, but <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just kidding, but um you know Odds on, odds on favorite. I, I I have to say that the coyote is probably the most likely candidate for this chicken be. killing. But some there, someone's talking a little bit of a sleeper pick here. Is that it's actually Kristen Cavallari, uh, his ex-wife, <laughs> <laughs> who's coming back and taking revenge on his farm uh, for uh, not for locking his bank accounts <laughs> when they were going through a divorce. Yeah, yeah. I, any I guess any so. truth to these rumors? I mean, who knows, man? I, I just, I'm sure a little bit of added frustration in there too is that I think Jay Cutler is just a hell of a lot more relevant than she is at this point, and Cutler's been retired for a couple of years now. So I, I think you know, yeah. there's a little, maybe a little bit of ego problems there too. I mean, that definitely is a sleeper. You've got a motive. Line. You've got a motive. Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, with the lack of sports that are going on right now, I mean, maybe. Las Vegas is going to start some kind of betting on this to see what who exactly is the culprit, and we'll get some interesting prop bets out of it. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see how this will uh, play out, and I think that the, at least the Chicago sports world is on edge seeing how this is all going to shake out. Absolutely, absolutely. So one final thing before we let you guys go. I know, Reese, you, you offered up a segment this week uh, relating to how the Chicago Bears, this current team, reminds us of 2005. Yeah. So I, why not, don't you go ahead and start us out here? Not to get like incredibly deep about it, but there's a couple things that just popped up on my mind. I, I think that this is a, clearly already a team that, to me, looks a lot stronger on defense than offense. I think they've improved in a lot of ways, but to me, 
it, this seems like this is going to be a team that's going to run the ball, pound the ball a lot, and rely on defense. So kind of try to control time and possession in a way by, like, you know, run the ball with David Montgomery, similar to as we saw with Thomas Jones and Cedric Benson, and, you know, rely on that strong defense like we saw in 2005 with Earl Acker and um, Earl Acker and Tillman and why am I blanking? Uh, who was uh, who was their good uh, defensive tackle way back when? Tommy Harris. Oh, I think it was. yeah. yeah. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's Tommy Harris. Of course, Tank Johnson. Can't forget about him. Um, Agunle, you know, all of them. So I, I think that it just reminds me of a team that's going to be relying on their defense to really keep them in games and they're going to be controlling the ball decently. We're not really sure what we're going to get from their quarterback play. You know, back then it was Rex or Rex Grossman or Kyle Orton. Ah, you know, and how many Rex Grossman jerseys I saw when I was in fifth grade? Right. I mean, that was a popular one for sure. Um, the orange ones too. Yeah. Right. And that, that was funny because at the Chargers game last year was when they brought the orange ones back. <laughs> I got to see it in person, so it was interesting. Oh, but um, yeah, I, I think that there's just some parallels there. And I think that the Bears special teams has an opportunity with Cordell Patterson, Tariq Cohen, those kind of athletes to, you know, not we're not going to see any Devin Hester type play. I don't think anything quite that good. But there is opportunity for improvement, opportunity for some explosive plays that you know can really change momentum. I mean, Devin Hester really shifted momentum in a lot of those games. That iconic Arizona Cardinals game where he had those returns, mm. and the Bears' defense and special teams really won him that game. That offense did nothing. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of comparisons. I just have to hope that. I mean, honestly, if we even made it to the Super Bowl this coming season, I'd be excited. I'd be if if we end the season with the Bears losing the Super Bowl. I'd be pretty excited, truthfully. Like I think that that, that is a pretty good season. Um, I Probably just hope a that it's not in this... those two that they lost. <laughs> yeah, it's like how excited I was after the Cody Parkey game. No, I'm just I'm just playing. Uh, it's one of those things where I, I would feel excited, but I also feel robbed considering I also got to see the Bears, you know, lose 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 the Super Bowl in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, nothing did. For, for those of you who don't know, Reese and I are not old enough to have actually watched uh, the time in which they did win the Super Bowl. So we've just been really starving Bears fans for the past 20, 21 years of our lives. Right. Um, so definitely a lot of comparisons. Have to hope the outcome is different, though. Um, but before and, and now before we before we we close off the show. We have a couple of shout outs to give out because we uh, we 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 post something up on Instagram and, and this is for anybody. If you if you post us up on your Instagram story telling people to check us out, we're going to shout you out. We're going to shout you out on the podcast. Uh, we'll mention you also for anyone who, you know, leaves a review in the in the uh, bottom of Apple Podcasts. Sometimes we've had some issues with actually seeing reviews like some reviews don't show up for some reason um i don't know why that's occurring but it it, it is occurring but if you if you do write a review it does show up and you do leave us a five-star rating we are going to shout you out on the podcast 
um we'll get we'll give you a little hello so reese why don't you start off the first one someone very close to your heart <laughs> yeah the first shout out has to go to my uh extremely supportive and loving girlfriend uh kaylin she's been posting us up quite a bit and uh trying to you know get us those extra few listeners from all those other bears fans that might be following her so definitely a shout out to her for putting uh putting us on her instagram story yeah that, that, that was really nice of her and i think it's awesome that both of our girlfriends are so supportive of what we do here i mean it's not it's probably not the easiest uh job being the girlfriend of podcasters because it i mean it takes a lot of time like we dedicate a lot of our time and we don't have a ton of time already we're already full-time students you know um and there's there's been times where we've had to you know kind of drop what we're doing and and record hour and a half podcast edit it um you know do everything do everything it takes a lot of time so uh we i appreciate my girlfriend certainly for being um supportive with that or sometimes we'll decide to record on the day of or whatever like it's definitely not easy and they definitely uh I know my girlfriend always gives me a lot of different advice and tries to help me out with new de- new ideas, and I'm sure your girlfriend does as well. So we appreciate the girlfriends of the podcast. Um, the the other individual who posted us up is let's let me get his IG name, uh, Bears Plug. Uh, he is a Instagrammer. He has 200 followers on Instagram. He does uh, daily Chicago Bears content. Thank you for posting us up we really appreciate it again anyone who does that you know what even if you don't have an instagram if you send a text to three of your chicago bears friends who just say you know check out the pod and you screenshot it and send it to us or or even just let us know on instagram we'll believe you guys we trust our audience um we'll 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 give you guys a shout out just just our instagram is at chicago bear necessities and then one last thing before we go reese and i are looking to do a couple things with the podcast so i think we we need to uh, include these updates in it first thing uh, that we're planning on doing is recording uh, we have a recording schedule now okay we're going to upload weekly every monday and thursday so it's going to be the end of the so it's going to be the at the beginning of the week and then towards the end of the week and then the weekend uh in the season of course will be football filled and um, everyone's kind of more busy on the weekend, so we understand that. So twice a week, regularly now. Um, the other thing that we have is we're gonna be doing a lot of exclusive YouTube content. Um, so go ahead, check out our YouTube. Just it, we, we link it in our description of Apple Podcasts, but if, if you don't, if, you, if for some reason you don't wanna do that, just type in Chicago Bear Necessities or Bear Necessities, Chicago Bears podcast, and YouTube will be the first result. Um, really easy to find us um, on there. So a lot of exclusive content will be on there. Make sure to go subscribe to us so you get that early. Um, and then outside of that, one other thing that we're trying to figure out how to do, for, for you guys who don't know, Reese and I typically are in different locations, but currently we're both uh, in, back in Chicago. So we're able to, we're, we're trying to figure it out how to do a video podcast um, that will air on our YouTube channel and um, just maybe maybe give you guys a little bit more up close and personal uh, experience with the podcast. And we're really excited for all these updates. Yeah, yeah. And 
Yeah, I'm sorry to all the people's hearts that we broke that we, you know, Austin and I both revealed that we're both taken, so I'm sorry about that, but <laughs> our girlfriends have to deal with the extremely stressful uh, time of being dating podcasters, right up there with dating a firefighter and all that, so they're worrying about us 24-7, <laughs> but, uh, you know, thank you again to everyone that's listening, and uh, really excited to bring forward to some of this new content, some of those new updates, and uh, giving you guys some more scheduled releases, and... Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we'll be coming back at you really early this week on Monday. Thanks.